Remember a couple episodes ago when Erica Gemma moderated a fireside chat with us at the North American Bitcoin conference and we said words about things? That was great. Well, we just couldn't stay away and we've invited her to the show for her to say words. And today we discuss her journey down the crypto rabbit hole, how she founded the first Bitcoin center in Miami in 2018, and the state of the world highlighted by why crypto is just so darn important to our freedom. Caution, the show you're about to hear features opinions delivered by opinionated people. Those opinions may not be popular. What Ever. If you're offended by other people's opinions, you should probably just blindfold yourself so as to not see anything and tape headphones playing Kenny G on replay over your ears so you won't hear anything you might disagree with. Otherwise, we're glad you're here for episode number 585 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. For some reason, Sir Travis, I have found myself talking with a German accent right now. I do not know why. I think maybe it's because they are the number two of the passport in the world. They are the number two passport. We want to go to the Germanys and have the brats and the beers, yeah? And the mandatory vaccination because sure. it's mandatory. Get the jobs. Get all the jobs. You'll be stuck with the jobs. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've already offended somebody. No, I get screwing, but these idiots. I'll tell you what, this episode is going to be uh, an awakening for somebody. I don't know if you, you're that somebody, whoever's listening right now, but this episode is going to contain an awakening. Somebody is going to hear some of the words we share a little further on, and they're going to have the self-awareness to go, oh, damn, is that me? That, and that yeah. might be you. And if that's you, write us and tell us. If it's not you and you're just going to complain, wah, 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 then uh, send, you know, send your email somewhere else. Send it to we don't give a crap at gmail.com. Uh, but if you're you're that person, then and um, this is the show that makes you go, hmm, then let us know. Hmm. The, that's a, that sounds like a good episode for a show. The show that makes you go, hmm, hmm. to make you think about stuff. Hmm, thinking about the things and stuffs. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Erica's got a lot to say, and uh, she's super smart. And uh, we think we're, you're going to like this. Uh, by the way, this episode brought to you by nobody. No show sponsors. <laughs> there are no show sponsors in this one, but that's okay. We still love people. We, we have things to much. say. It's not because because uh, they don't want to. It's just that we've become extremely selective about who we take as sponsors for the show. Primarily, and this is the the honest truth. I, I really don't like doing the shout outs. Yeah, we like the crypto, but we don't like the shout outs, and the dislike of the shout outs outweighs the love of crypto. They do indeed. But our love of our guests outweigh all the other things on the scale of weightiness. And so we invite you to listen in to our interview with Erica Gemma. It was not too long ago that we found ourselves in the beautiful city of Miami, Florida at the uh, Bitcoin North American Bitcoin Conference on the main stage with the host for our 
our little fireside chat, Erica Gemma. But she's so much more, so much more than the host of a fireside chat. She is a well-known person in the Miami tech scene, and she opened Miami's first Bitcoin center in 2018. She's a Miami crypto OG. She's the founder of Timelock Ventures, and she's here with us to roll with the punches. Erica Gemma, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you for having me, Joel and Travis. It was a pleasure to be on stage with you guys for the second time, but hopefully this time they recorded the audio so you can share that to your listeners. This is our stage right now. This is, you're on our stage. Wait, do they not record it? Oh, no, we, it's already, the episode's already out. Like you guys, uh, the, the shows, yeah, we're good. It's done. That's what I thought. Okay. That's what I was like. No, no, no. I remember the first time I was on stage with you guys in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. No, was it Chicago? No, no it, it was... wasn't Chicago. It was that time in that place where we were on stage together. She remembers clearly. I remember it well. So do we. We were in the metaverse. It was in (laughs) Pennsylvania. No, have you guys been to Pennsylvania before? That's two strikes. Yeah. Have we ever been on stage? I don't know. Uh, Erica, I love that your parents spelled your name so different. E-R-Y-K-A. I've never seen that. It looks like Erika. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things that people love or they mispronounce either or. Well, I don't care. You know, you, you like it, right? Yeah, I, I like it. I definitely think it's unique. As are you. So let's um, let's start at the beginning because the beginning is always a good place to start. And maybe then we'll jump to the end and then fill in the gaps in between okay. just to confuse people and keep Travis on his toes. Yeah. Huh? yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. So w- tell us about your journey down the crypto rabbit hole. How did you first awaken to the Bitcoin revolution? Yes. Initially, I first heard about Bitcoin because I was really involved in the liberty movement. So I campaigned for Ron Paul in 2012. I became a delegate in Washington state for him just because, you know, young person genuinely trying to understand politics, not being satisfied by what I saw on TV. You know, specifically, I actually remember seeing Joe Biden talk one day, and this was when he was 2000, you know, maybe 10. So he was come on, man, at the time, (laughs) I know, (laughs) but he was VP at the time. And I think I was watching C-SPAN and I remember him being on the show and he was saying a lot of words, a lot of country names, a lot of numbers, but he wasn't saying full sentences and saying nothing of value. So I complained to a friend about it and he put me onto Ron Paul and I just got ingrained with that movement there. I remember just being like the youngest person in the room when it came to a lot of these delegate meetings, but I really took it under my own like responsibility to try and change things from political aspect. Uh, but that's also what woke me up to the issues of the world. Like I, I was a young, I was 19 years old when I was a delegate for him. And so learning like you know everyone jokes that the government's corrupt but learning firsthand the stories from people trying to make change in the system and then telling me like this is what's actually happening uh it was pretty eye-opening so that's what got me into when i first heard about bitcoin unfortunately i did not buy bitcoin back then otherwise who knows where i would be in the world right now um but yeah that was and then after that, I, I've always liked aviation. So I went to a school called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And I even there, like I was teaching classes on campus. Um, 
uh, it would host discussions of Austrian versus Keynesian economics. And I was really into the economic theory of everything. And when I left college, I ended up working for a pretty big bank uh, in the aircraft leasing industry. So buying, selling, trading commercial airplanes. And I remember that there was this uh, CEO banker at the time. His name is John Thane. John Thane is a legendary bankster. He did the merger between Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. And I remember being on a conference call that he had where he was like, all the young new hires were on this conference call. And at the end, he had a Q&A session. And at the end of the session, I was just like racking my brain for a good question. And I remembered Bitcoin. And then I asked him what he thought about Bitcoin. And then he and everyone else in the room like kind of laughed at me. And then I went back down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so that was fun um, from there, you know, started throwing meetups locally in Miami. There was a lot of interest, but I don't, there was nobody that was throwing like large scale educational events. And so I just filled that gap in, started Crypto Mondays down there. And it's been building ever since. Um, we opened up a Bitcoin center, which was awesome. That was fun, <laughs> a really good time. And, and it got a lot of, uh, a lot of eyes from city officials, uh, including the mayor. He actually opened the center with us, did a ribbon cutting ceremony for us with me, Nick Spanos, uh, Scott Spiegel, and it was a really good time while it lasted. Uh, but Miami is now this crypto capital and it's overwhelming to have everyone move here a little bit. Mm. So is the Bitcoin Center still there? No, unfortunately, because of coronavirus, we had to close our doors. Uh, um, COVID kills centers. Don't you know that? It, yeah. it like it, it conglomerates there in places of centering. Yeah, mm, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, and our our real estate agent at the time, our real estate you know owner at the time, he was very not he was very against us having a co working office event space during the beginning of a pandemic. Good times, good times. I want to ask about this because it's like you've done some interesting stuff. It says here you're a Gates scholar, yeah. a, a private pilot, and uh, both of those are interesting. What's a Gates scholar? So Bill and Melinda Gates paid for my college. Um, really? Yeah, they don't know the monster they created Uh-oh. <laughs> against their system. But yeah, I was a Bill and Melinda Gates scholar. He passed out a lot of scholarships. And this is one thing that I appreciate about that foundation is they pass out a lot of scholarships in Washington State, which is where I'm from. Uh, and yeah, so just involved there. So has your opinion of Bill Gates changed over the years? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think um, Dr. Bill Gates. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you pay enough money. Anyone can be a doctor, right? <laughs> I, I actually I paid nothing and I'm a doctor on Twitter. It's actually in my profile name. So there you go. Instadoc. Doctor slash doc is your pronouns. No, no. I'm Dr. <laughs> Sir Lord Joel Com, king of NFTs. <laughs> I wanted to see just how far I could insert my tongue into my cheek. And uh-huh. so that's my title. You miss Reverend. You got to put like Reverend Doctor. The most high. That would be you. The though. third. You got to be the yeah. like legacy in there. Esquire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I don't know. Yeah. So that's good. So, so Gate Scholar and private pilot. So you're working with an, you're working. So you actually went to an aeronautical university and learned all about, uh, all yeah. about that. And then you, and then you went into crypto. So you can yeah. buy planes, probably so you can buy planes, right? <laughs> well, it's a, 
I, the first time I flew or the first time, yeah, the first time I flew an airplane, I was 16 years old for whatever reason. I think maybe because I grew up in Washington state and was always around airplanes. Uh, I just always wanted to be a pilot. So I was like in the third grade when I did my first biography on Amelia Earhart. So aviation has always been like my first love and my passion. Uh, so yeah, flying is definitely a thrill seeking thing. Uh, I think there's a lot of crossover too with crypto people and just that, uh, desire for, you know, I don't know, adrenaline, I guess, and then taking risks as well. I think that's also important. Yeah. I mean, it's cool too, because I really think it built me up for what I'm involved in now in the industry, just because like the first time I was the only girl in a classroom, I was 16 years old and I was learning how to fly airplanes. And so, I mean, I've just learned like, you know, this whole, uh, notion that, like women aren't wanted or that we need help to get ahead. It's like, listen, the guys want us here. Trust me. Like from my own experience, it's like nobody is shutting the girls out. So sometimes that narrative bothers me a little bit. So then, you know, Joel and I were talking about just the other day, we flew Kansas city to go watch the, uh, the worst uh, sports weekend in Kansas city history. And um, we were talking about like one of the best things about, you know, doing well in crypto down the road, we'll hopefully get to a point where, we can fly private jets so we don't, or planes. So you don't got to worry about all the stupid mandates and all the crap and pilots that might be jabbed that might, you know, might not be feeling well during, during, a, during a, a flight. So is that something that, that you can do? Do you still have your license? Are you able to, to charter private jets? I still have my license. Um, I can't fly jets. I can only fly prop airplanes. Um, and there are people that I'm connected with that do it's, it's called freedom travel Alliance. If you want to check them out, but they do private jets, except crypto and they're, you know, they're very, very freedom minded. So was that again, freedom, what travel Alliance. Let's go back to, uh, to some of the stuff when we were talking about Miami, because this thing, (laughs) this place has blown up. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's home to all the all the major Bitcoin conferences now because uh, Florida is a great place to to throw a conference. Right. You don't got to worry about a bunch of craziness like you do in New York or in California. So like what? And then the mayor, Francis, over there, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So like what what has been the, the catalyst over there in, in Miami to sort of rise to be the U.S. crypto hub of the world, aside from Puerto Rico? It's like yeah. Miami and Puerto Rico. They're like the crypto hubs now. Yeah. It's nice that they're so close to each other too. Um, let's see. There, there's a lot of catalysts. Like I can't just name one. Uh, a couple of years ago at the Bitcoin Center, we made marketing material. This is 2018, 19, uh, saying Miami is the crypto capital of the Americas. And it wasn't even true yet. But then I remember professors um, coming to the center saying, hey, I did all this research and I heard Miami's is crypto capital of the Americas. And why was that? I mean, we've had so much development that's happened in Miami and Florida in general, right? Like the, the even the, the case between Craig Wright and um, uh, I forget who he was against, but uh, even the case of Craig Wright happened in Miami. So I would say some of the catalysts are, you know, first of all, Miami has always been a city of entrepreneurship, right? We just celebrated 125 years as a city and that's still fairly young and people there they understand Bitcoin from a needs-based perspective because you know, you've been there before. It's very Latin. So everyone speaks Spanish. A lot of times these people left their countries and they left their countries because, you know, 
they understood like like hyperinflation was happening, right? The number one place for Venezuelan refugees is Doral. So the mindset of the people that live there is already very pro um, anti-communism, pro-freedom, and then pro other methods of money that make more sense for longevity. Uh, another thing that was a catalyst was, I mean, I really feel like the Bitcoin center was a huge catalyst just because when we had the center, we were called the blockchain center. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a Trojan horse. Like we brought people there uh, and they thought they were going to learn about blockchain, but we would just like red pill them, you know, this is Bitcoin. This is how much debt we're in. Like this is unsustainable, Uh, you know, showing them the world debt clock, which we just hit $30 trillion recently, right? Completely insane. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it was just this focus on education plus that people were there. Plus the culture of Miami has always been very entrepreneurial. Um, And then, you know, we were looking for, I would say industry. Miami was very tourist. It's a very transient city. They wanted to become a tech hub, but you can't really replace the New York and the Silicon Valley talent. But what you do have access to is the talent in Latin America. You know, there's this running joke that uh, Miami is the capital of Latin America. It's like the best number one place to do business if you're doing business in Latin America. So, you know, it's just that catalyst. And really like Latin America is this huge hub that's going to adopt crypto quickly. And Miami is just that home-based version. Um, Obviously, Mayor Suarez has been such a huge supporter of what we've been doing. And he's he's a huge catalyst for that, you know, to have a, a government official who is Cuban, has seen what happens when you have a totalitarian regime come in uh, and he's very pro making changes. Um, So, I mean, it's just a lot of things, you know, it's really entrepreneurship. And then also it's seeing that um, things move in cycles. So in the 1920s, when the great depression happened, Miami did very well, specifically Flagler street, which is where the blockchain center was still did very well during that time. And here we are a hundred years later, we're in the twenties again, something's going to happen in terms of a global climate. And I think Miami still, again, is going to do very well. So it's just timing. It's great having a a very pro crypto mayor. Uh, Now, if you could just get Pitbull right on board, because he's like, you know, the official ambassador, right? For Miami. 305. Yeah. 305. Like if he could, you know, drop some knowledge on some, some Bitcoin and NFTs, then everybody would be like, what? Well, they Let's did get just Bitcoin say we're bro, Ken Bosak to move there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he is moving. And uh, Pitbull, I will keep you guys updated. There are some cool things happening with him as well. Nice. Really? Oh, she dropped a she dropped a cliffhanger on us. A <laughs> little, little bit of a teasy McTeasers right there. So let's talk about, you know, as you are part of this younger generation, younger than us. Older than those that have come after you, though, just to say it happens really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the mindset of the the new generation, right? Because kids today, these kids today, they, they grow up with an iPhone and an iPad in their hands. And that is the worst technology that they'll ever experience, right? It just moves forward from there. So as this generation is, is coming up today, how are they going to think about crypto is it going to be just as normal as you know how we use credit cards i i think so yeah i think it's going to become the norm um the what was it the white house so far came out with their recommendations saying that 
this is too complicated to understand. Right. But they're saying that from their perspective their perspective yeah. you're all too people. stupid for this <laughs> so they said you should stay away from it because it's uh too much like we, we can't understand it so we should just stay away from it now of course that's coming from their perspective where they can't understand it but when you do have that younger generation that is native to technology it's going to make sense you know one thing we see is all these young people gaming and they're already earning in-game tokens in game money so they're already accustomed to that but being able to use that in the real world i think that's where you're going to really see that that value um take off is just the 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 exchange of what we already do combined with like what's to come now the mindset of the young people it's like the, the millennial generation right a lot of us including myself saw our parents lose their home in the financial crisis and so because of that there's surveys put out that most millennials don't trust banks. And so this is why they're so prone to Bitcoin. You know, you ask a millennial how much, like, would they rather take Bitcoin, gold, or um, or dollars? Most of them would take Bitcoin. Uh, there's surveys in a room before where young people will always raise their hand for Bitcoin instead. Now, the younger generation, um, I think, I mean, I'm pretty excited for them. I, I love to see that, that, you know, even things like software development is being taught in schools in the third and fourth grade. Um, I think that's absolutely necessary because the job market is changing. And if you're a young person, you don't know how to code. Um, I think it's going to become the next illiteracy is the inability to code. And that's important too, because if we see that like code is a language, it's the language of computers, and we're writing the language that is going to be translated into the new world that we're going to see, it's important for all different types of people to be able to speak that language. So young people, I'm pretty excited for them. I think that they're entering an era that reminds me of, uh, it's just like completely, like, not that I lived during that time, but when America was first created, there was probably this sense of like a new, a new land that was discovered and I think with crypto, that's what we're discovering is, is, is not necessarily a new physical land, but a new land in innovation and the way that money is spent that we've not seen before. That's an interesting point. I mean, my, my son and daughter are both Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my son just turned 20. My daughter's 16. They're both, they're both heavily in crypto because their dad knows a little something about crypto. And so it's, so it's interesting, you know, one of the things that I think about is like, you know, it would make sense that crypto is going to be the way of the future. But then you start seeing how countries, some of them right now, you know, China and just India recently have begun banning the off ramps of crypto to fiat. So that way that crypto can't connect to the banks in some of these countries. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and I, I know that Biden is, is creating an, uh, an executive order or whatever, talking about they're going to create a report and talk about some of this stuff. Some there's been some people on the show here who've said that you know it's quite possible that what the, what the banking regulators are going to do is is make it more difficult for people to off offload dollars from their crypto into their bank accounts and that. So it's like, what are your thoughts on that? Have you been have you, have you been paying attention to that? And how, how does that sort of bode for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be super complicated. And I think that what's going to happen is, okay, like, for example, um, 
China, right? So what China did is it created their CBDC. Now they're the first one to release this digital yuan. At first, there was some you know feedback saying, oh, it will never get adopted because China's not going to be able to get that market share because they have WeChat and Alipay everywhere. What happened like a week later after that opinion piece went out, uh, WeChat now will help send these Ch- this Chinese yuan out there. So it's like very, it's happening quickly. And this, even though this uses like a blockchain and it's a CBDC, it's it's not really anything different from what they already use, right? And then we look at places like India and India, I think they recently came out with regulations saying that it's you can use cryptocurrencies, fine, whatever, but we're gonna tax you 30%. And that's what they came out with, which at least they came out with some clarity because what's happening in the United States is there's absolutely no clarity that's occurring at all. So I I think that when Biden comes out with this executive order, whatever he comes out with, is not going to be smart regulation, right? It's going to be, yeah, like, because even like, you know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can't even put a sentence together. So we, I mean, you have places like India that are like, okay, fine, you can do what you want, but here we're taxing you 30%. Although I don't think, I don't agree with it. I think that's smarter regulation than what's going to come out of this. Um, so for young, for kids, it might be like a needs-based reason why they're going to continue to transact in cryptocurrencies and make it so they don't have to go back into the real world of dollars. I mean, if we really can pour it over in that major way, that's how I see this succeeding. Uh, and then another sense, it's like, if the government makes it harder to go from dollars into fiat, I'm sorry, from crypto into fiat, I think, I don't know. I, I just don't think they could do that. I think it might be too late. You know, the fact I that- I think, yeah, it's out of, Pandora's yeah. box has been opened. But but what this brings up is something really interesting is that uh, the question is, okay, so let's say the U.S. government does, you know, crack down on crypto more. Uh, you know, we moved to Puerto Rico to, you know, be able to legally enjoy the tax benefits of being here. And many people are looking into second passports, right, in order to go, all right, I can't buy, I can't participate in this IDO here because the government wants to be my daddy and tell me what to do with my money. So I'll just get a second passport for wherever. So, you know, what are you seeing in that trend? Yeah. So I write for Escape Artist Insiders Magazine. I write their Bitcoin column. And this is one of the longest running, um, I would say, citizenship by investment, second passport publications on the internet. And in that sense, I mean, the business there, you know, it's not my business, but the, the people who work there tell me that as of lately, their business has like doubled and tripled, right? Uh, because the amount of people that are looking to leave the United States or Canada or Australia it has just grown exponentially. Um, so I think it's important for everybody to have two passports. Like I like to tell people the story, which is, you know, the difference between Snowden and Julian Assange. Um Julian Assange, when he tried to leave the country, he got his passport pulled and so he couldn't leave. And now he's in jail and nobody even knows what's being what's happening to him. Right. And so if he just could present another passport, he would have been able to get out of the country and then, you know, maybe figured it out. Who knows what would have happened to him? But because he only had one passport, he was stuck. Uh, and so I think that it's it's good for people to have options, you know, flag theory, um, just being able to to live 
in different places of the world and have not have some paperwork tell you that you can't. So it's important for crypto people as well as we move in, as we live in this place that we don't have to come into offices every single day, which coronavirus has really accelerated, uh, to make sure that you're able to move around the world. Uh, one of the things to look at is, um, is the Henley index. So it's this indicator that tells you how good countries' passports are when it comes to uh, the ability to move around the world and access other countries. The now, Henley index, is that named yeah. after Don Henley? I don't think so, but no? okay. <laughs> but yeah, the Henley index, look, check it out. America's not even the highest yeah, Henley, on that. It's henleyglobal.com. That's where the passport index is. Yeah. Yeah. So it tells you what's the best passport for you to be able to have. Now, a lot of people, if they're looking at getting into this, um, there are avenues that, uh, and you could check it out. I mean, Escape Artist Insiders or on my website, you can sign up there and then you'll be able to see, we just put a new publication out this uh, one day ago, talking about people's options when it comes to moving offshore. Um, But I would say like a lot of people might not know this, but they're able to qualify for a second passport for relatively inexpensive based on their heritage. So for me, you know, Philippines, I'm able to get my uh, second citizenship in the Philippines for not as expensive as some of the other places in the world. Like, you know, Panama is, Panama actually used to be basically $5,000 and you could get a residency there, which would allow you into the country. They couldn't stop you from going in, Uh, but they recently raised it and now it's in the 100K range, right? And that's the real general price point, I would say, of these second passports is this 100 to $200 two hundred thousand dollar range uh but it's and then there's different stipulations like you have to live there during certain parts of the year it's just kind of like what you guys have uh in puerto rico as well uh but i think that you know just having an escape plan having a plan b you know bitcoin is is financial sovereignty um but we have to make sure that we have sovereignty of our bodies and that makes that it comes with making sure that we have you know papers that let us leave (laughs) Especially for people in Canada and Australia. Anybody, either one of you want to guess, according to the passport index, without looking, without cheating, which is the number one in passport power rank, meaning the most visa free um, or visa on arrival together versus visa required? I think I know, but I'm going to let Travis guess first. I'm looking at it. Go ahead and guess, Erica. Uh, it is uh, Austria. No, uh, that would be incorrect. At least if if they're right, Austria is actually number four, tied with okay. a number of other countries behind Germany, Sweden, Netherlands, and Finland, which are behind Italy, coming in at number two and in the number one spot this week on the Global Passport Power Rank 2022 is the United Arab Emirates. Uh, 107 visa free, 53 visa on arrival, and 38 visa required. However, what page are you looking at? I'm looking at the global ranking on Henley here, and it says 2022 Japan and Singapore have access to 192 countries. Well, that so this is this is broken down. Yeah, each one's going to break it down differently. I'm just telling you okay. what the global passport power rank 2022 is on the passport index. So Japan, um, looking for where Japan is on this thing. So probably because th- more places require a visa to get in, but it doesn't mean you can't get in. It just means you have to mm. a visa or a MasterCard <laughs> or Discover or Costco card. 
Panama's number 34 now. It only allows you to go to 142 countries. Uh, St. Kitts, which is an option, that is 157 different countries. Is How hard is it to get a Singapore passport? I mean, do you, Singapore is its own sort of a city-state. There's not like Singapore City. It's only Singapore. It's like it's it's like. Yeah, I mean, Singapore is probably one of those places where you would have to live there, fit certain requirements, apply for a residency, and then eventually apply for a passport. It's not like Panama or or Belize or where you can make where you can make an investment into the country and then get out dollars. I mean, sorry, you can make an investment in the country and get a passport in exchange. Um, now, the other one that's really interesting lately is El Salvador, right? They have mm. that three Bitcoin, uh, three Bitcoin and you can get a residency there. Um, I'm hoping that that program gets. Wait, wait, you got to pay three Bitcoin. No. Yep. So oh, you just well, kind of the, the way that it works is that you have to show them that you spent three Bitcoin within the country. And a lot of times that's via real estate. And then you get a residency within 24 hours. Wow. And that's you get a residency. I, I, El Salvador is going to blow up, right? The economy there is going to, especially as Bitcoin continues to move forward, those people are going to experience some serious growth. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing just the intelligence that is there, I mean, the intelligence that's moving there, the people who have built so many things in other nations and locally uh, around cryptocurrencies, and now they're going to El Salvador because they like what they see. I mean, the other day, uh, Naive Bukele was <laughs> trolling online as he does. You know, I love his bio. His bio says that he is the uh, CEO of El Salvador. And, you know, in my time visiting there and visiting the government officials there, it was so interesting to see them actually run like a business. Like he put a couple rules in, in play that really just revamped that government. And it was very, very simple things. You know, one of the things that he did was he allowed the different government agencies to talk to one another beforehand. They weren't allowed to talk to one another. So it just mm. became much more efficient, you know, and another thing too, cause like when I first heard the El Salvador uh, in announcement, I was in the room in Miami at the Bitcoin conference and the energy was wild, you know, like the guy on stage announcing is crying and the people in the audience, like everyone's standing up, like from on their feet, just like clapping. And I kind of thought like, you know, it's scam. I was like, yeah, right. They're going to send me there. El Salvador is the crime capital of the world. And then they're going to kidnap us. Like, that's just what I thought. But then I went there myself and, you know, the experience was completely different. This is a very, very serious matter. And you have someone who is a millennial. I think he's 39 right now. And he came to power because he understands how to use technology. You know, he has that marketing company. And now he's like really trying to make a difference in this country that majority of the people are young people because the civil war killed off a lot of the older uh, generation. So the the country is prone to using technology already. Um, and not only that, but it's like, you know, just hearing how the people in government talked about him, hearing certain stories, like he cut crime in half or more overnight by just doing one thing, right? So, uh, you know, El Salvador, murder murder capital of the world. A lot of that murder is, it's not tourism. It's uh, the tourists are, are safe. The murder comes from the gangs killing each other, right? So very, very concentrated in certain parts of El Salvador. But what he did 
to cut crime was he just turned off the Wi-Fi to the jails like overnight. So overnight, crime gets cut in half because they used to have computers and cell phones and ways to communicate to the outside world. But he cut it off. And, you know, it's just these simple things like allowing government agencies to talk to each other, uh, not allowing prisoners to talk to the outside world um, that really like make me think that El Salvador, which coincidentally means the savior, uh, is going to be ahead in the game you know, as everyone moves from place to place in the world. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's amazing when you run a government like a business instead of running a, running a government like it's your personal foundation, yeah. you know, like a, lot of, like a lot of Congress people do and politicians do. And then there's, this, there's the whole under, underbelly, the, the seedy underbelly of all these people who aren't even elected and they can't get fired. Yeah. It's like nearly impossible to get fired from the from the government. Like, how can you run an effective government? Well, clearly you can't because we're 30 trillion dollars in debt. And have we ever wondered who we're in debt to? Like, who is that 30 trillion dollars owed to? Like, those are the ones who rule the world, folks. If you don't realize that, that's the case, right? People don't realize, oh, we owe 30 trillion dollars to some magical being. No, those are the real rulers. And uh, you eventually it's like a mob where you you better pay or, you know, there's hell to pay. So just kind of a wild world we live in. You know, it's like we we need this decentralization. We got to have power back to the people, because right now it's power to the corporations, power to the lobbyists, power to the politicians, power to the banksters, power to the global elite. And all of us are just sort of left holding the bill. You're just a conspiracy theorist, Travis. You're just going off on another one of your wild rants, and we're going to get hate mail from somebody that's like, there goes, there goes Travis. Okay, talking about all the conspiracies about the the the, the one. I just try to drop it. I just try to drop a seed to make them fucking wake up. No, that's That's uh, not everybody wants to wake up. It's the matrix, right? You take take the blue pill and enjoy your nice juicy steak and shut up and let the rest of us figure this stuff out. That's right. not what the blue pill is for, Joel. The blue pill, I saw it's Viagra. It does different things. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then, you know what? This is the part that I'm thankful about of the time that we live in is that we are in this time where I feel like more people are choosing to take the red pill now than ever before. You know, beforehand, it was like talking about some of these subjects and it was instantly you're crazy. But now more people are like, wow, like you are not crazy. You're actually right. But it just—I wasn't wrong. I was just too early for people which, to say. Which that is I was why right. Rogan is uh, getting through to so many people. He didn't come at any of this with an agenda other than to have conversations. But the people who are afraid of real conversation, those that are trying to control the narrative, they are the ones making the most noise. But most people, they want to hear. You know, what do people have to say outside of the narrative? Just hitting us from the approved sources. And uh, it's a scientific method, Joel. The scientific method is to question and to come up with a hypothesis and then to blow holes in the hypothesis. No, no, now the science method is no, here's what Fauci says. Yeah, that's the scientific method to believe exactly what you're told to believe, fall in line, be a good little drone, and get your 15th jab. You shut up, Joel. Come, you need five masks. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so sad to see because these people truly, I mean, I, I don't like brainwashed is one word, but really they're hypnotized, yep. right? The nope, media. Nope, that's another. Nope, that's been debunked. There is no, hypnotiz- <laughs> no hypnotizing. <laughs> because the people in the media told me. It's, it's a system of indoctrination mm-hmm. since, you know, it, I was talking to my sister. My sister's a PhD. And she's a PhD in virology and microbiology. So she's got an opinion on all this stuff. She works at these level four cat labs. Is she on right? the news though, Travis? Because if she's not on the news, it does she's not qualified. She tries to remain, she tries <laughs> to remain on the down low because like literally it's such a crazy, crazy space. And and um she, she was talking about how you know people with college degrees and master's degrees, those are the biggest sheep around because they were never really taught to do critical thinking, yeah. but PhDs they're taught critical thinking in a big way because they're like blowing holes in everything they say, and they got to do their thesis and, and they're blowing holes in it. So they make them do critical thinking. Whereas people with their associates or their bachelors or their masters don't ever really ask questions. They're told to sit down, shut up. Here's what's going to be on the test mm-hmm. and better learn it. And then you put it on it. And that's what it, what's the truth. You know, the yeah, moment always believe truth, you know, the yeah. moment you say trust the science, you have just demonstrated that you don't understand science. Exactly. And the, the, those college students, they're prone to following rules. They're prone to saying, OK, I check box these little boxes that society gives me to tell me that I am a productive person or I'm acceptable, you know, in the economy. Um, they, these people are prone to following rules. Like I have a college degree and it's because Bill Gates paid for my school, right? But otherwise, <laughs> I probably would have started a business younger and been involved in that market. Um, but it's just interesting to see because, and and with that college degree, a lot of times comes like the sense of arrogance. And this is this is my problem is like, you know, and I and I feel like you guys are probably the same. If you want to do whatever you want with your body, with your you know breathing techniques, whatever, do it. But there you don't have any right to tell me what to do, right? Like everybody to each their own, like be what you want to be. Uh, but it's, you just it's, want it's, granny to die, Erica. Just admit it. You just, you don't care about anybody else. And you just want granny to die. Yeah. Two, two weeks know, to slow the spread. So. Two weeks, two weeks and we're done. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's like, I, I see this, this parallel between people who like tell me that they're neat freaks or that they're germaphobes. And then I go in their car and their car is completely messy. Right. It's just, or like, it's just this complete weird thing where it's like, people will accuse me like, oh, you just want grandma to die. But then it's like, I see how you talk to your mom. You know, like you actually treat your parents really poorly. So how are you going to tell me that I'm this bad person? It's you need just to over- concern yourself with my health as I'm going to McDonald's for the fourth time this week. Like yeah. the fattest people are the ones that wear the most masks. It's crazy. That too. And then like, it's like you walk into a restaurant and they tell you at the door, like put on a mask and then you go to the bathroom and the bathroom has no soap. It's like, what is going on here? Uh, it makes it makes no sense. We live in clown world. And I think more and more people are waking up to it. And those that are holding on to it do so because they've made choices that they now need to psychologically reinforce in order to make them feel like oh, they don't want to feel like, oh, crap, I may have made the wrong, you know, supporting the wrong thing. I may have been doing harm to myself. I may have been psychologically abusing my children by masking right. them up at a young age. True. They don't want to admit that it's really hard to, yeah. to, for any of us to go. I was wrong. 
Yeah. You know, I remember, so this, I'm going to date myself here. I remember watching happy days back in the seventies, great TV show, you know, with the Fonz. Hey, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. And he was the coolest guy around and there, you know, he was never wrong about anything. And one time he was wrong and they, they got him to say, you need to say it Fonz. You need to say I was, and he was like, I was, I was, no, come on, you could do it. I was, I was not quite right. That was, you know, what it took to, to draw it out of him. Who else remembers that episode? Write us at bad crypto podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Let me know that I'm not the only old guy. In the the ego is a hell of a beast, man. You it know is. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I, I always go back to this, you know, what? and it's just one of the things that is just a core of who I am at this point, what I believe we are a spiritual being that's having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And here we all are having this collective human experience right now in one of the craziest times in human history and we must be here for a reason we were here to buck the system we're not here to make sure that our our descendants are part of some authoritarian technocratic dystopia we're here to stop that and decentralization helps do that and so that's why it's like we're here for a reason let's not waste our time here and make sure that all that we're here is not in vain. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I mean, that's one of the most exciting, exciting parts about the time that we're living in is it, you know, and I wrote a, uh, I wrote an article about this in escape artists, but um, astrologers, they'll say that we're in the dawning of the age of Aquarius, right? There's even a song about it. They've been saying uh, that for 50 years. Yeah. 50 years. That's when that song came out in 1969. So I think yeah. we're we actually are flip in over until the Mayan calendar flipped over in 2012. <laughs> Whatever. Who knows? Whatever. I mean, I personally don't know, but I know I, I don't know, like, because I'm not an astrologer, but my astrologer friends are telling me that yeah, we're in Aquarius now. We're in Aquarius now, which Aquarius is this. It's supposed to be ruling ideas and technology and intelligence. Right. And then like uh, in a noble way. Now, the other people will say we're in the fourth Turing. If you're an academic, you'll say oh, that we're in the fourth yeah. Turing, right? Um, if you're involved in like in in the Christian or Catholic church, people will say Jesus is returning. Uh, there's other been saying and, that for 2000 years too. that as well. Yeah. And, and so it's, like, it's also the year of the tiger. So I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Rah! But and the groundhog know. says six more weeks of winter, but we don't care because we're in Puerto Does Rico. It? <laughs> exactly. Big but ass snowstorm happened in Missouri. We just got out in time. Woo. Like, like 10 inches of snow. It's so even far. snowing in Texas. Oh, right. so weird. And it's the coldest it's ever been in Miami as well. So it's, it's like damn global warming is it, there it goes again. Yeah, it's the exact same temperature today in Puerto Rico. Guys, it's climate change. It's not global 80, warming anymore. 82 degrees. Same as yeah. always. Hey, one yeah. uh, one last thing to talk about before we let you go on your way into the rest of your day, Erica. Let's talk about um, from an investment perspective in the future, you know, what, what companies and what products or services are you excited about that you think, Hey, this is not financial advice, but maybe take a look at this. Yeah. Um, the most exciting things for me right now are this intersection between traditional finance and the regular world. I, I think it's too late to roll back and say, hey, you guys can't interact. Um, and I think what's going to happen is those bridges between banks and crypto 
they're going to happen and they're going to be built. So whoever's building in that world that can take institutional money, I'm very bullish on those companies. Um, you know, we saw at the North American Bitcoin conference that there were more institutional companies in attendance than I've ever seen before. Uh, so that is really one thing that, um, you know, who's, who's building the on-ramps for the institutions. Plus, I also see that, you know, in 2020, the Office of the Comptroller of Currency said that uh, banks can now custody Bitcoin. And how many banks are actually doing that, right? And it's because they don't have the infrastructure, the knowledge about it. So uh, I'm definitely bullish on people that are going to allow the banks to do that because the people are going to be asking for it. We're already seeing politicians in multiple different states try and, you know, like in, in Nevada, they tried to make Bitcoin like legal tender there. Uh, so we're, we're seeing the growth of that. Um, I would say the other thing that I'm pretty bullish on is um, this is a little bit more in the picks and shovel side of things, but schools, companies that teach people development, solidity, blockchain developers, like we need the, the humans to uphold this infrastructure and the demand and the, the need for talent is, is insane and the talent is dry and expensive. So if you're a person who's like, okay, career path, I think looking into software developing, software development in blockchain is a definitely winning career path. And you can do that from wherever you want in the world on your computer. Right. Um, so I, yeah, so there's the, this, the, I guess, picks and shovels. And then the other part I think is I'm pretty bullish on it is education. You know, if the statistic is that 95% of people don't own cryptocurrencies, places like bad crypto podcast, places that are dedicated to help people just learn that's where I think you're going to see a huge uptick as well. I mean, Pomp, Anthony Pompliano, one of the best known uh, names and representatives of our space, he does a very good job. He gave all of his money back to all of his investors, right? Gave it all back to his investors and said, I'm going to focus on family. And now he just runs an educational school where he trains people for this new workforce that's to come. So I don't necessarily have like, you know, it, it, it's for me, it's more like infrastructure plays that I think are really important. Um, you know, the metaverse, that's going to be interesting, but we might still be a little bit too early. Uh, NFTs, you know, fine art, digital art, it's kind of all been there. I think you're going to see the use cases for NFTs grow. And I think people, especially in real estate, need to pay attention to that. Um, but it's it's really like right now, whoever is building the infrastructure and on-roads for people, because it is that 95% that do not have access to this stuff yet. And they don't have access just because they don't know what it is. Uh, those are the people that you're really going to see win. That's lovely. I'm looking forward to seeing people win. Yes, uh, we like the winning. Uh, Erica, where can people connect with you, find out more about all the things you're into? Yeah, so I have a website that is being revamped, but bankoferica.com. My name is spelled E-R-Y-K-A. You can subscribe to my mailing list there uh, where I will share stuff about the uh, newsletter that I write for, uh, Escape Arts Insiders Magazine. And then I'll do a weekly like little short news recap that just gets sent out to the people that are on my mailing list. So Bank of Erica. So explain that. I, I get it, but explain it. <laughs> So it's funny because before I got into crypto, I've had the screen name Bank of Erica since I was young, just because I thought it was funny and I didn't like Bank of America. So Bank of Erica, Bank of America. But the importance is we now have the actual ability to be our own bank. So it's just interesting that this was my screen name since I was in high school. Travis oh, would like great. a loan. Almost... Well, go ahead. 
Oh, Travis, you want a loan, right? From the Bank of Erica. <laughs> right. That's great. I was, I was going to say, it sounds like you could have almost just been Erica.com because the unique spelling of your name. Uh, yeah, actually, that's funny because I thought about that this morning. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I hope to see you guys again. Uh, you'll be back, I'm assuming, in April. What's April? The big Bitcoin conference and then shitcoin conference. And then they all haven't invited us yet. They're, they've not they've, they've not invited us. I think they invited us one year and that was they had enough of us in, in the on the Bitcoin conference or the yeah. shitcoin yeah, okay. the Bitcoin conference. Let's so I don't see. know if we're invited anywhere ever again. <laughs> they don't want yeah. us. After our after our after our showing there at the North American Bitcoin Conference, we're not invited anywhere. You know who <laughs> is invited though? Rufus. They invited Rufus. They're like, that was the best keynote a dog has ever given from uh from a stage. And we'd like to have him back again. I'll have him back too. So awesome. it'll be fun. Thanks, Erica. <laughs> Thank you guys. So right about now. That person, and you know who you are, is composing an email to us at badcryptopodcast.gmail.com going, I'm the one. I'm the one you were talking about. I had been thinking this way, and something you said is going to make me go down the rabbit hole. Let us know what that thing was that's sending you down the rabbit hole. And, you know, listen, we're here. We're just talking, two guys talking crypto, and we share these thoughts and ideas and bring you our guests. But most people don't write complainers tend to write more but even then most people are busy they don't take the time to share and so we'd love to hear from those of you who uh, have learned something been inspired to do something have uh, gone down a new rabbit hole it's encouraging to us to know that we are having an impact yeah we want to hear from the non-whiny bitches so if you're not a whiny bitch please message us and let us know what you how this shows if you're a whiny bitch just, you know, take a long walk off a short cliff, but a tall one, like a tall cliff, but like a short pier. You have to pass yeah. your certification at nonwhinybitches.com. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a quiz. It's a Facebook quiz. Am I a whiny bitch? And it's like, am I easily offended by words? Yes. You're am I trying to bitch. cancel? Am I trying so to cancel to anybody? Listen to one of those other podcasts like Unchained or something else like the, the, the Peter McCormick thing, like. Peter can be offensive. Go there. Peter can be offensive. Yeah. yeah, Peter's opinionated. Back to you. I mean, he's kind of a whiny bitch. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I say it to his face, though. So it's not not hiding anything. Yeah. So you just said it. I mean, somebody's going to tweet that. I mean, I tweeted it to him multiple times. I don't know. I mean, mean, he knows how I feel. Yeah. Everybody everybody knows how you feel, Sir Lord Travis. I'm so pleasant. You are. You're a joy to be around. I love doing the show. Most with of the you. time. Most of the time. Some of the times, not so much. But most uh, of the time, like I, I'm at least I'm like 89% pleasant. <laughs> that should be in your bio on your Twitter <laughs> profile. 89.76% yeah, present. Almost 90% pleasant. pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the day of the week. Billion served. Oh my gosh. You guys can go to the show notes to see links from things that were discussed and to uh, click over and follow Erica at bagco.in forward slash 585 is where you will find that. And by now you figured out that you can go to any of our episodes directly by typing badco.in forward slash and then that episode number. In fact, here's something. Here's a fun game to play. You can play bad crypto roulette type badco.in forward slash and put any number between one 
in 585 and then just listen to that episode see where it takes you you can go 205 and see what that pulls up and then mm-hmm. just listen to that one yeah if you want to like you know educate your friends <coughs> excuse me if you want to educate your friends you can take them to episode number 210 that'll teach them about blockchain and the cryptos and all that stuff that's a really good one to listen to and then like 100 200 300 those are john mcafee episodes um episode 400 was that a mcafee i don't remember what that was i i don't remember well he thought he was going to jail so we got him at a different time so i don't think that but there's five there's five or six john mcafee episodes out there maybe you could stumble across one of them john mcafee did not kill himself he did not there's no way nope didn't happen i'm not even convinced that he's gone yeah you never know now would because he could like bribe some guards and be like dude i'm giving you 20 bitcoin Let's get me out of here. He's going to turn up with JFK Jr. <laughs> That's some conspiracy shit right there. So let's just, <laughs> we should probably just end this episode before you get me on a rant. Uh-oh. Well, I think we Because I'm trying to be 90% pleasant, Joe. I just want to say, Joe, I love working with you, man. You're a good dude. I love you, man. Aaron, who's editing this, I love you as well. It was great going to Kansas City and watching the Chiefs lose with you guys. And uh, I'm just trying to be pleasant right now. I'm, I'm harnessing my 90%, 80, 89 point whatever percent you said. So stay back. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Wait, that's my another, that's my like 10 point percent is the badness.